It's exactly 29 minutes after 4 and if you've just tuned in, it is Radio Veritas 576am on DSTV, it's 870 and from the internet, it's www.radioveritas.co.za and the show is Changing Gear with myself, Father Brian aka Ndabaningi. The time has gone exactly to half past 4 and Again, it's good to be back. And that was Oleta Adam with uh, Come Walk With Me. I think um, it's a Monday, hey, and we need um, inspirational songs. And uh, Oleta Adam is saying to us, the Lord is saying to us, Come Walk With Me. Isn't it amazing how sometimes we just think, you know what, I'm leaving this person, I'm leaving the Lord, and I'll try walk on my own. And guess what? We don't do it. Anyhow, I'm joined on the line by Ann Baker from the Catholic Institute of Education. And good afternoon and welcome. Good afternoon, Father Brian, and greetings to you and your listeners. Thank you very much, Anne. And uh, I'm speaking to you at a day where many parents in the country, especially those who've got children in primary school, are feeling very insecure at some point. They are feeling they are feeling nervous, and uh, some are very angry with what we've been reading and with what we've been seeing on our television screens of what's happening in our schools, where we have somebody that we trusted, somebody who we think um, should be trusted by our children, violating that trust. Now, what has been your re- your response or your reaction to what has been going on? Well, uh, I think the case of 87 children is absolutely appalling mm-hmm. um, it, because it was obviously known the children would have talked to each other. They must have talked to someone. Now, we haven't got the details there yet. Yes. But I think there's a great avoidance mm-hmm. um, by schools and perhaps even by parents of believing children when they tell you something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a major issue. We have to teach adults to believe children first. Uh, don't doubt them, believe them first. And it's the school's job to keep them safe. I mean, there can be no other other job than for a school to keep children safe. Mm. And I think it's an indictment on the teaching community of, the, of that school and any school that doesn't report. Mm. Now, where do, you think, where do you think was the problem? Well, I think the problem is that obviously that man was a very suspect person. How did he get a job with this, what they're calling them, uh, what do they call them? Patrollers. Yeah. They, they're not teachers. They're uh, an adjunct person. They're a, a service person. How do they get a job and who supervises them? Does the company that the department hires them from supervise them? Mm-hmm. And do they have a police clearance? Yeah. And, or do they have anything? But I mean, we we have to, have to teach everybody what their duties are with regard to knowing abuse. But if, and if, uh, sorry? aren't those people screened for, say, offenses? There might be offenses which might not be sexual, but when, when we bring in adults into an environment where they are minors and infants, should we not be screening them first? Well, the law requires that of independent schools. Okay. The, law, the law requires independent schools to screen their teachers and this, any of their staff. Yeah. But it doesn't require them of the public sector because the public sector say they screen the teachers beforehand. But oh. this is not a teacher, so it opens up another issue. Yeah. Do, su- do support staff 
just uh, are they allowed to do what they like? Because this is not unusual. I mean, you yeah. can read even internationally what they call janitors in the States. They mm. have been accused of this. Um, it's any adult that has the, what could you say, thinks it's his right yeah. to do to children whatever they like. Is that a definition of sexual abuse then, Anne? No, sexual abuse, is de- the definition is any adult or even old or child mm-hmm. that touches or interferes with a child um, sexually, mm-hmm. even and including uh, telling stor- sexual stories, showing pictures, sending messages on phones, okay. those, are, those will all be regarded as sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's a wide definition then. It could be even a conversation, it could be sh- showing images to, to youngsters. Yes. And uh, apparently this person that we're talking about was fondling with, with, with the young girls. And, uh, yes, yes. Well, uh, that's, that is physical sexual abuse. Yeah. And I don't know if you know, but anyone who knows of abuse mm-hmm. is legally obliged to report it to the police. Okay. The, uh, sexual abuse. Okay. Not not necessarily other types of abuse. Okay. Then you have to you can report it to the police or a dedicated child protection organisation or the Department of Social Development. Mm. But if it's sexual abuse, it's got to go to the police. Now how and can there are you? Units set up again. They did did away with them, but there are now units that are supposed to help with this. But I think what we've got here is cover-up. And we know all too well what cover-up does. Mm. It only creates a a terrible disaster. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Now, how can we move from that culture of covering up things to a culture of actually starting to say, hang on, I have, or my daughter has gone through this and something needs to be done about that. Because definitely all these 80-something students, uh, I'm sure they'd reported this, but this was not uh, uh, actioned, I suppose. Well, it appears that some teachers told them not to tell anyone. Now, that's even worse. I don't think in a school it can happen to 87 children without somebody knowing. Indeed. And the other thing is to teach children from very young, hmm. that as soon as they're uncomfortable about something, they must te- te- tell a trusted adult. Yeah. Because most of the abuse, of course, happens within families. Yeah. yeah. You know, more happens within families than out of families, and that becomes an even bigger secret. Hmm. So what hmm. we have to teach children is don't tell someone. Now, they often tell each other, and you'll have a child come and tell a teacher that so-and-so said this, but then the teacher tries to get it out of the other child, the child will say, no, no, they didn't say that. But yeah. it still has to be reported. The allegation has to be reported. Yeah. So, you know, it does help that the schools have got their a social worker that they can refer to or somebody um, to help them. But it's mm. not to be covered up. And I'm afraid that schools do cover up. They, yeah. they definitely do. They don't want to get into trouble, all sorts of things. They're not putting the child first or mm. the young woman. Because mm. it's not just children. Girls mm. in high schools are suffering um, terribly from the harassment of bad boys and other people, yeah. and even the teachers, of course, you know. I mean, there was another case today of a teacher in Limpopo that raped somebody on the way home from school on Friday afternoon. I know. He offered her a lift. I know, yeah. So it's, it's, it's more common than we know, and, of course, the shame 
prevent people from talking about it. So the more open we are, mm. the more we take away the shame from the children, yeah. the better. And especially especially when uh, the victims usually feel that um, they are responsible for what has been inflicted upon them and therefore yes. they do not want to... To, to be sharing or to be talking about their story. No, yeah, that's and true. And there's, there's another scary uh, report that came out a few months back called the Optimist Report that shows that young boys mm-hmm. are sexually assaulted or, or abused as much as girls. Mm. It's true. And that's quite frightening no. because the boys will say even less. I know, because what we experienced here in Johannesburg and uh, uh, a few months ago at that school that I won't name is a clear indication of that, where we had that coach uh, also playing around yeah. with the young men there. And yeah. so it was when it was discovered, it was not only one person who had endured that. So clearly things were happening. But I think perhaps the lesson that we are getting out of this conversation is we need to raise our children to be able to be alert of these things and to report mm. them immediately once they, they, they see them happening either to a friend or happening to them so that they don't just keep quiet and act as things are going as normal and as usual. Yes, but of course the, the adults are ultimately responsible. Indeed, that's the, correct. It is the adult's obligation to look after children. But Where did this stuff take place that an adult didn't know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. This is the point. But as parents, how can we then sort of say, like, now people are shopping for schools. It's a bit too late for next year. But some people are still shopping for schools. How then, how do I ask the right question around security? And I'm not talking of the security that my daughter does not cross across the road. But I'm talking about security from things like that. How, how, what, what are the right questions to ask? Well, the question is to ask the school, what is your, your supervision policy? Okay. How are people, are the children watched at all times? I can tell you that 90% of our schools don't have that old-fashioned thing called playground duty yeah. where teachers were on duty and watched them. Yeah. And many schools no longer have that. Okay. And that is, that is even known by the Department of Basic Education. Mm-hmm. They, they don't think it's their job. So you leave, you leave a whole lot of children alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but whose job is, ask, is it? What is the process? Okay. Because... I can tell you, Gauteng have got a process for reporting okay. because we have just redone our child safeguarding policy. Okay. You know, it was first done in 2012 and it's been reviewed mm-hmm. at the moment. It's, be, it's been through a whole lot of channels. At the moment, it's been sent to schools yeah. and governing bodies to yes. discuss. Uh-huh. But out of that, it comes that you must know the reporting. Mm-hmm. How do you report? And every child needs to know who the safe person in the school is. Okay. Um, so every so school... That's important. The parent can say, who must my child go to if they're worried about something? So that... the chances are the school don't have that person. But if the parent asks that question, then they'll think. And if they ask the governing body, what are you doing about this? Okay. It would be even better. So what you're actually saying to us, Anne, is that each school should um, should have like a contact person for things of uh, professional contact, either for the teachers or yes. for the students, yes. because this could be sometimes it could be even an older student within 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 the. Not really. It should be an adult. It okay. should be an adult. But if you you could have peer peer educators or peer mediators that children trust, and then that child would go straight to a 
to a teacher. Because children disclose to each other far more than they disclose to an adult. Indeed. And you think about it, if an adult's harmed you, um, and if we get to the other types of abuse, which is um, hitting, Mm -hmm. physical abuse, Mm -hmm. there are many, many families that are busy beating their children. I was quite shocked to hear the other day of a a, a teenage girl telling me she still gets beaten at home. Oh, yes. Now, what, what are we doing about that as church? We've got thousands of parents and thousands of children in our parishes. Mm-hmm. How are we teaching them? Because some parents think it's okay to beat their children. But And then the parents would say then, if you as church are going to take, take a stance, then you as church should take those kids into your, into your premises and look after them. If they're going to be under my roof, then it's going to be my rules. Or you church, look after these unruly kids yourself. <laughs> How about if church gives them a deeper understanding of how to bring up children? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because all things are relational. I mean, this one child said to me, I, I really can't stand my mother and father for the way they've hit me. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's no love there. Other children will say things, are oh, they doing it for my own good? Yeah. I don't believe, you know, and I'm, I'm an older, I'm an old granny now, <laughs> and I've hardly ever, ever, ever touched my children, but... Um, I understand things better because I'm older. So how do we bring people to an understanding of communication and listening? Mm -hmm. I'm telling you our children are getting more and more disconnected from their families and their schools. That's what's happening. It's sad. Yeah, because do you know why? Because we've, we've, we've delegated the duty of parenting to the schools and sometimes even to youth groups. And so, yeah. because as parents, mm. we are so busy. We are so busy with trying to make mm. a living. And it's, I, and I can understand as parents because you want to juggle a job. You want to juggle being a spouse or a partner. You also want to juggle then the kids. And, mm. and I, mm. I, I don't think there is any successful, uh, formula of being a good parent. No. But, um, I think it should We have not- to have empathy for parents to get up very early in the morning to catch transport, to go all the way to work. Yeah. You know, leaving younger children sometimes in the care of older children. Mm. Not an easy life. But yeah. We mustn't mm. just be critical. We must try and be supportive. Mm, mm, mm. So what programs should we be, 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 be looking at then? Well, I think, I think we need to continuously um, help, help young people to talk about what is or isn't comfortable, even children, mm-hmm. that that they are, no one has the right to touch them, mm-hmm. no one, okay. uh, in a way that makes them uncomfortable. Obviously, if mommy or daddy are bossing you, that's different. But we, we, we have to, and the school's supposed to do this in its life skills work. Mm-hmm. And in, in the Catholic schools, some of that is part of RE with the little ones about that you're special and you made, God made you, etc. Yeah. So we, we actually have to restore that. But I think we don't understand the pressures of today. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, there was a recent conference in Rome, yeah. the Jesuit Institute went to it, um, on cyber, the dignity of the child in the cyber world. Yes. yes. And um, Pope Francis even committed the church to caring um, deeply for the children and not tolerating abuse of any kind. But if, on the run-up to that, I followed it closely. Mm-hmm. Somebody put um, the office that, I've forgotten what it's called now, um, what's it, the Child Protection or something. Yeah, the commission. Out of my head. yeah the commission. And they put on a, a video, a TED talk about a woman, a woman who is an expert in pornography. Mm. And what she said was, 
and this is very true. In the old days, um, maybe a child saw a magazine. It's, you know, something like that. Today, they've got phones or their friends have got phones or they've even got computers at home and they can download or watch anything. Indeed. And the stuff they watch is getting more and more almost violent. So what do our young, what do our young people think? The yeah. boys think this is the way it's done and the girls think if I want to be loved, this is what I must do. Mm-hmm. So you have that as well. And in fact, it's a known thing that pornography um, increases the chances of someone abusing. Yeah. Because if you have, if you slightly, what should we say, have that aberration, yeah. it will feed it. And so we have that as a big challenge. Um, and we have the challenge that it then think, it teaches uh, men and boys and sometimes even girls to think they're entitled mm. to just have what they want from another person. Wow. And we clearly have a long way to go as society and as communities. And uh, I always say it starts in, our, in the home. It starts in families. And I hope our, our daddies and our mummies who are listening right now need to have those conversations with their daughters and sons to actually talk about the, the notion of boundaries and uh, mm. especially teaching their kids on what to not keep quiet on and what to, to actually report immediately Absolutely. when it happens. But and I, I think that we'll be rolling out the new policy next year to our own schools, so great. we'll be reinforcing the messages they've been getting mm-hmm. um, and trying to assist, because let's be honest, this is a societal thing. Yeah, and we're not, not immune from that. Yeah. We know we mustn't pretend that it doesn't happen in our schools. <laughs> we won't get there, but... <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. it's because, you know, we have to just be on the ball. Mm. Um, our teachers need to have their eyes and ears open. Indeed. Um, and yeah. parents as well. Yeah. And thank you very much for joining and thank you very much for shedding light for us. And it's always a pleasure having you on the Afternoon Drive Time Show with you. And uh, we wish you a happy, happy, happy Monday. Thank you very much for the run and to all the listeners as well. Have a good evening. That was N. Goodbye. That was Anne Baker from the Catholic Institute of Education. She is the deputy director, which brings us to exactly 12 minutes before the hour five. And it is Changing Gear, if you've just tuned in. And it is with myself, Father Brian, a.k.a. Ndabaningi, Mfundiswa Dumo. And it's good to be back. Do not